Hey there, it's Emily Murphy, and this is Grow What You Love, a show sharing unexpected stories of people and plants and growth with a capital G. Now, we are in for a listening experience like no other because I'm taking you with me to the home and studio of William Ryan Fritch, or Willie Rye Fry, as you'll find him on Instagram and Twitter. He's a composer, a songwriter, a multi-instrumentalist based in Northern California, and if you're not familiar with William's work, he's known for creating original film scores. Check out movies like the 2017 Oscar-nominated documentary film 4.1 Miles, Bill Nye, Science Guy, and Artificial, a 2019 Tribeca-nominated documentary film directed by my better half, Josh Bones Murphy, which, inside scoop, is how I first met Willie Rye Fry. Now, when I describe Ryan as a multi-instrumentalist, I meant it. I know for a fact that when he created the music for Artificial, he played each and every instrument, recorded them individually, and then wove them together into the original score we hear in the film. Amazing, right? It also turns out that he is an accomplished cook and gardener. This is part two of my conversation with William. We pick up where we left off in part one in William's studio, which is where we landed after talking over the breakfast of curry potatoes and eggs he just finished preparing for his family. We also had an opportunity to hear William play some of the many instruments in his studio. A broken accordion, a $5 perfectly imperfect cymbal, and an instrument from China made from a gourd. Now we get to hear some of Willie Rye Fry's most recent compositions. And finally, we whip up a cocktail with herbs from my garden thanks to Willie Rye Fry's creative mixing. Can we hear some of the music you're working on most recently? I know you have a new album out. Is it Deceptive Cadence? So Is that a new album? It, Explain it, that it, to me. And then you're working on some film projects right now as well. Yes. So, you know, at any time I'm working on two to three feature films. I mean, the world of, of making records is, is such that, that I'm, I'm not touring, as you can hear in the background. This is my three-year-old beckoning me. So having a family and wanting to spend time with my children to be able to focus my energies on creating means that I, I've opted not to tour the normal cycle that when you release an album, typically it's like a six month lead up. You book this tour, you're on the road for a minimum of three months after the album's done. And you're doing this and you know, some nights are great. Some cities, some nights you're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and you're playing to, you know, five people. Like, And so unless it's for, for me where I'm, I'm not making music that, that is like, sustains itself by taking a band on on the road and performing it because i love performing and i love playing music but it takes a lot for me to shake the the desire to create and write and much mm -hmm. of what makes a great performer is preparation discipline and the ability to take something that is a, a repetition mm -hmm. repetition the the, the rote um, reinterpretation of something mm -hmm. and finding joy in the subtlety of these these little changes that each night brings and for me every when I would tour I would just constantly be thinking like oh I'm gonna try something to, like you, that that you, yeah, you play yeah. songs certain amount of times and then I, I tire I would like tire mentally of that. being able to uh, get to that place where it felt like a, a really really sincere representation of like playing the song like it's like the first time you played it 
you know, I've, I've seen performers that they have that. They have that peculiar alchemy of like that the audience does something to them. Mm-hmm. And for me, I feel that more in myself when I'm creating and recording and trying something new that I can get to a place that's outside. I'm, I'm not overthinking things. I'm not trapped by my, by, by my, uh, my habits. Right. So you've traded the the world of touring. Right. So I mean, it means seeking commission. It means it, it like doing more commission work and making more films, which I love and adore. You know, before music, I wanted to be a, a screenwriter, and then I realized what time. that actually. No, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's like I I could give my whole. I could give every second that doesn't go to my Your my family, family to music, and I would it would be a spit pool. Um, well, right now you're, well, as I like to say, you're growing what you love. You're growing your right. family and you're growing your craft in a way that's authentic for your life right now. Right. Uh, you're here right now. This is your moment. And you're doing it really well. Oh, you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can we hear something? Do you of have course. Something? So, like, I, as you said, I, I, uh, I just released an album that was a collection of all of the film music that I've made since I've been here in, in Petaluma. And just taking these little excerpts of the, I mean, now it's been 50 features and over 100 short films I've done in a decade. And, you know, all from these just like, at one time I'll be working on a film that's about Indonesian genocide or it will be about crisis in Palestine. Or I could be making a a fiction film that's like a more, for lack of a better description, like a, a dramedy. (laughs) <laughs> like, and so all of these they're all made here in the studio and it's me you know for almost all of them it's me playing everything but inhabiting these different kind of personalities to, to serve the story and how do you underscore these really unique worlds and give them a, a sonic identity that's that's meaningful to the story and, and to the characters and to the filmmaker and all, all everything that they're trying mm-hmm. to achieve with this film so yeah the the album uh, you know see i tried to make something that it plays as a long it's it's a long playing record it's not just these little vignettes but it's taking these pieces of music that i think distill a particular moment in in my composing toying with their relationship with the other pieces but and it's also as if you're creating what i love to think about in film is is when filmmakers use the landscape as a character Yes. And and what I'm hearing in you is that you're using your music as an as another character in the film. In fact, you're almost the character actor. You're, you are the <laughs> you are you are embodying each of these instruments with the vision of the film in mind and the story in mind and creating something that is another character in the film. Mm. Well, that's a really nice that's a really nice <laughs> way to a really nice way to think about it and it's really just a matter of what you want in your music because sometimes the best film music is the, the music that you didn't even realize it was music that it, it walks the line between sound design and music composition and sometimes it's a statement piece this one film i'm working on right now um it's called freeland and one of my most beloved collaborators over the last decade has been these two filmmakers mario Furloni and kate mclean and we've worked on almost six films together. And this one is, without question, the most ambitious 
one that they've undertaken. They both are, are musicians in their own right and, and really think about sound in a um, unique way. And we've always talked about making a film where the music it doesn't leave a breadcrumb trail for you of what to feel. It's non-manipulative, but it's so expressive and it fits the character in such a couture <laughs> kind of way that it's like it couldn't have existed without the body of the character. That the, the, the design or the fabric of the music, this wouldn't be something that I would just freehand design. It's a response to all the unique, the unique subtleties of the performance of the, the actor. So this, this film, Freeland, it's about, it's, you know, a, a tragic hero story of this character named Devi, that she's a pot farmer in the Emerald Triangle. And with the legalization and, and the regulation of the pod industry, her way of living and of sustaining life and being a and kind of almost anarchistic pot farmer in the mm-hmm. Bactilian movement, which was a statement of, of radical independence. It's that world has slipped away, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. And, and the film does a wonderful job of, in its narrative structure, not over-editorializing right. how they feel about this or, 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 or the, the story. It's, but regardless, that world has changed, and it's never going to be the, the same. same. So if you have someone who is so calcified in their way of thinking or that, that <laughs> their life experiences and what they've been rewarded for time and time again in their life is... A certain stubbornness and, and willfulness and the fight the, the you know like the beauty of what makes this character tick also becomes the hubris the downfall so this i'm gonna just play the, yeah, a just little play. collection from love, yeah. it just because we can we can pick out which which, which yeah. what what because uh, i don't remember exactly which cue it would be the best like i was, I was thinking of this as part of uh, her thing about the, uh, the, I have a bass clarinet and a contrabass clarinet that they both are desperately in need of, of being repadded. But you get all of these ghostly kind of high, irregular squeaks that, and um, as these little, little waves of, they keep him, uh, they keep kind of cresting. You lose, the squeaks become further in the distance. So I'm stepping away from the microphone. So the, the high, the high pitch content is becoming more of a room, a room texture. And the little stutter of, of the tongue is initially gone. So then we have another instrument. And that's a, a little pocket for where the, the I you know recorded 20, 30 different v- overdub voices of singing these wor- kind of wordless. And there's that accordion that I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so that it blends between the voice and the horns and the upright bass. 
meandering behind loosely, like that you can feel it pulling at the edges of being in time, being in pitch. It takes you on a journey. And now it's playing the same melody that the saxophone that started it. So then this floor tom, it's a kid's drum, but you, if you look right here, this is, yeah. it come, belongs to a, a Goodwill kid's kit, but the skin is very thin. So I'm playing with my elbow and, the, and I can change the pitch of how tight, how taut the drum skin is. And it's doing kind of the similar, what the, what the upright bass was doing, mm -hmm. playing the outskirts, this, this uh, kind of deconstructed melody of the... This piece of music, it, it's um, uh, separate from the film. It feels really meandering and, and um, loose, <laughs> but pitted against the performance of uh, this actress who is so resolute. It's the. the She's holding on. She knows who she is so well, but um, the tendrils that connect her to the world that she knew are stretching further and further apart. Um, and her world is yeah. shattering or coming unglued. It's really part of her persona. Right. That's lovely. <laughs> I'm already in the film, and I haven't oh, even seen it. The... <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, I can't. I can't even properly describe. It's, it's really beautiful and, and risky filmmaking. And uh, what's so cool, and, and you're so lucky because Josh, you know, is so, like. I feel like we're in kind of a renaissance of Bay Area filmmaking yeah, right now. Yeah. That that there's you know people that that uh, for years have they sustained life by. <laughs> Tapping into like, oh, can we get some of this dot uh, com, the Silicon yeah, Valley yeah, money? Yeah. But the way that they've used the stability of this to make statement pieces right, of their right, own. Right, right. So what William's referring to, my better half, Josh Bones Murphy. He is a wonderful uh, half. He's a, he's a, he's a great <laughs> half. Um, he's the director of a new film out called Artificial. That's the one I mentioned that William Ryan Fritch that I have here created the original score for this film. And it's a film about fish. It's a film about salmon and the future of wild and what happens when when we tinker with wild things. And it so it has a it has a wonderful depth to it and and the the music that Willem creates adds to that depth and takes us to a place that I think we wouldn't otherwise go because it's hard to connect to a fish that doesn't have the big doughy eyes of a of a cow Absolutely. or or another animal. And, and you're referring to the Bay Area. So we are here in the Bay Area. And what I find fabulous is that your studio is housed here in a barn, which I mentioned before, in Sonoma County, California. And you're making it work, which is amazing. 
uh, because you're not in the heart of LA where most people would think you should be to to be right. successful and have a successful career as a composer. You're not in, in New York City. You're in rural Sonoma County. And what I love too about your story is that you're featured in a modern farmer article. You shared this with me, actually. I wouldn't have known it was there. Uh, it was a January 2015 article titled, Country Road City Musicians Are Going Rural. And when asked about your decision to trade the city for country living, you were quoted saying, we made an itemized list of pros and cons of living away from the city. All of the pros were non-practical, says Fritch, then 29. You're a young person. You should be out networking with people. But in this crazily interconnected digital universe we've strung together, it's just not necessary. I could continue being fake in a place that I wasn't, or I could come here and chop wood and carry water. Which, when I read this... And I, I've mentioned, so I've chatted with, with William about this before meeting him here for this podcast interview. I immediately jumped out of my seat because chop wood, carry water is a phrase that has been a part of my life and it says so much, but what does it say, what does it say to you? How did you land here? And it compels you to be here continuing to create your craft and... Well. I wasn't aware that it was the title of this, this excellent book. I just had heard it throughout the years. And my wife, Siri Fritch, she, from the time we, before we were even dating, used to always talk about it. I think it was such a part of her value system. She's like Midwest, hardworking, unbreakable, unbendable, powerful lady. And she just really, she would go and spend these winters f like absolutely freezing, like 30 below zero up in the border of Canada and be up there working up in the cabin all by herself, nothing but like you know, old ice fishermen in the area. And she would be completely content because of her dedication to just like that. She set herself out for a task and she's going to go like, and there was this, this whole winter that she had to go because all the pipes were frozen. She had to go get a bucket of water and wheel it on a sled back to the house. And that was the water that she used to cook with and to, to bathe with. And, and so I think that saying it, it, it really did, I think it was part of what we saw in each other that we, we have this willingness to put our head down and, and mm -hmm. work for something that we love. And it's been a big defining characteristic of, our, you know, of our relationship and of how we raise our children and, and uh, how we challenge each other to, you know, have, running a, a business and, and, and being an artist. I mean, like so often it's talk about branding or about all, all of these mm -hmm. things about its perception. Mm -hmm. How do others perceive what you do and how do they value it based on how it's represented that is that is 100 percent true it's, it's especially so, today it's, it's so like true. A, an attention economy yes and um we always we have to build our persona to be noticed or mm -hmm. we're always focused on branding but what you're doing what you're saying in chop wood carry water it's finding joy in everyday living and the process of everyday living and the book that William's referring to is the, is the is the book Chop Wood Carry Water by Rex Weiler and Rick Fields, and it is it says this. It's all about process and appreciating those everyday moments. And you came here to rural Sonoma County to completely immerse yourself in that process and let that be part of your life. And yeah. traded this 
for the city. Sure. What, what space, what benefits having space in, in a slightly less hurried lifestyle? Mm. What that would do for me personally. I grew up in a, a very, very small town, a place called Weirsdale, Florida. And it was an amazing place to grow up and be a, a child and ha frankly have this prolonged idyllic childhood naivete. Like, well, well past when, you know, uh, children that, that live in, even in like suburbs would, would, would have. So <laughs> like moving here, I, I'm a, not a natural salesman. I don't, I take my career very serious, seriously and I work really hard, but at a certain point, it just felt really, really unhealthy to, mm. to, to do this constant check-in of like, what are people talking about what I'm making right now? Or what is like you? You get so caught up into this cycle of like th that that you 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 feel like you are pushed to stay constantly relevant, and that's not how real art is made, and that's not how, frankly, we should be even. We we shouldn't be concerning our, ourselves. Like w what's relevant is is it's a sociological phenomenon, and for me, what made most sense as a, as a creative and this just an individual was to release music when I wanted to release it to work in a manner that that felt like I, I could step away from the things that that felt paltry or or like it was just a distraction and whether or not whether or not I can live it you know day to day and not and step away from the folds and the pressures of like Oh, you know, why didn't I get this job, or why didn't like it's 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 human nature to to fall into that. But my day to day, I wake up in the morning and I go to my studio and I work and I and I clear what's on my plate. Mm -hmm. And in the rearview mirror now, there's thousands of pieces of music that I've made, and I haven't been like keeping this tally of like I I mean I'm, I'm you know my wife jokes constantly. She's like I've only seen like three of your films i've only listened to like she's she had to steal one of my most recent records i mean i put out 30 records in in uh 10 years and, and so she's only really heard like a handful of my so records funny. over these because it's not what our relationship is built on. it's like you know the this idea of that i need her to that are the to, 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 to yeah to act, yeah or, or or even recognition of of what i'm doing that's not what our our relationship built on it's that that she knows that I, I love what I do and, and that... It's process, chop wood, it's carry water. Yes, it's process. It's like the, the mandalas and yeah. the sand and you create it and then it's gone. Yeah, and, and it maybe goes off into the world, has a life of its own and you're on to creating something new. And maybe one day, like, we, we, we just can't take it for granted. You can't take, no matter what your art or your passion is, you can't take it for granted. Like, the, the like, strike while that iron's hot like right now i have i'm lucky enough to have the life energy and and to have the good fortune of of working on stuff that makes me happy and, and mm -hmm. i can sustaining life in like it was not always like that i mean the amount of <laughs> yeah the amount of films that you have to work on or pieces of music that that it's not endlessly inspiring you have to mm -hmm. find the like sometimes you really have to work to um, find that motivation. Mm, it sounds like growing a garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, they are toiling up a store. Like if you, you know, and like we'll get to, it's like if we have these abandoned corners of our life and man, breaking ground on these little forgotten sections or plots of uh, our life that have been either mistreated or, or neglected. Mm. That first, that toil of prepping is, it's not fun. 
it's not fun and it shouldn't be because it's like it's, it's the hard it, stuff. It, yeah it's that is the, the investment of, of blood and, and sweat mm -hmm. and and focus to ameliorate what our neglect or you know our diverted attention William and I decided that something cold to drink was in order. It was an incredibly hot day. So we wrapped up our conversation in his kitchen where we could make something cold to drink using herbs from my garden and his experience with flavors. Here are some of the plants I brought for us to cook with today. I brought this lemon verbena, which is a plant I always grow in my garden. It is such an amazing plant. If you rub your fingers on the leaves and then smell your fingers, you get a sense for not only how this plant smells, but how it tastes. That's like turbo lemon. Turbo lemon, like <laughs> lemon on steroids, right? And then some sweet basil, because sweet basil is good with everything. And that's a flavor I know you know. And then I brought some anise hyssop for something different. It's an agastache, and it's a fabulous pollinator plant. That, so that's that licorice but smell. It, but it has a licorice mm. flavor and, and fragrance to it. And then what else is in here? And then there's the lemon thyme which is just as lovely as the lemon verbena, but it has this other quality of oregano and rosemary and, and common, like oh thyme, but it has this lemon overtone to it that is really deep, isn't it? That is so good. It's like grassy, salty, lemony, citrusy, like- Everything oh, so wrapped up good. into these tiny leaves that are so incredible and they're so good for us, right? They're, there's, the oils in these plants are-, are how, how do you use- Packed with my, uh, Lemon thyme normally? Lemon thyme, I'm, I mostly cook with it. I yeah. mostly add it to vegetables, salad dressings, roasted vegetables. In fact, I've just started putting it on everything. It's like, oh, it's growing in the garden. Let's just try it. Let's experiment. I can't really go wrong. Just, and it's so good for you. But I thought we could make something with this. And because it's such a hot day, of course, my mind, my mind goes to something cold to drink. Maybe something involves ice and maybe gin or something of that nature. What do you think? That sounds amazing. So if you, <laughs> so if you, okay, so being the the chef, the culinary wizard that you are, the composer of flavor notes <laughs> that you are, what would you make? Because I, I, I can't wait for us to cook together. Not only today for this purposes of our interview, but well, I'm, in I'm, general, I'm no mixologist, but. I, I just keep coming back to this lemon verbena and this lemon thyme because I just, I, my, I, maybe my body is just kind of craving that exaggerated citrus. Right, <laughs> right because right it's now. so hot, it makes sense. But, but yeah. What, like, yeah, I wonder if we do, like I, I've got some Meyer lemon here. We've got the lemon verbena, the lemon thyme. What if we make kind of like a little just our own little twist on a on a greyhound or something. That like sounds that. Could be really refreshing. divine. <laughs> that, that sounds divine. And and listeners, just so you know, we are in William's kitchen, and so we are actually making this cocktail. If you hear clanking and ice and uh, you know the stirring of ingredients, that's because we're actually making something. We're going for it. We're going for it straight from the garden. So how are we going to put this cocktail together? We have herbs, we have ice. What's, what are our first steps? Well, we need ice. 
in Fast. this shaker now. <laughs> it's 100 <laughs> degrees outside. So I'm gonna put some lots of cubes in the shaker and go from there. And I hear that you brought some gin that is near and dear to your heart. Yes. <laughs> My, the better half I mentioned earlier is a gin lover. In fact, he's toying with the idea of creating his own gin label. And, and I was just talking with William in our break about what that might taste like. So we're going to create something here that could be the gin label in the making. Well, all this, so you have all this juniper. Like, so how is the juniper going to work with the lemon? How do we tie it all together? The, the lemon really verbena, the, the lemon thyme. Which one is, what, you know, what are we going to use? So Measure we, out two cocktails for the gin. Okay, so we're measuring the, the gin because we don't want to over imbibe. <laughs> over imbibe. Let's see here. So, so what, in your experience, what is the best way to extract from the lemon verbena? I honestly think that... Um, crushing, the crushing the leaves a little bit and I also think that once they're crushed just like press your break those cell walls of the plant crush those leaves a little bit just like that so so William's bending them in his fingers and then popping those tossing those into the shaker with the ice and the two helpings of gin I think also the ice will help bring out some of those flavors when you go to shake it absolutely yeah Oh, and if you hear little feet in the background, that's because that's Wilder playing with Birdie. This is my sweet little three-year-old. <laughs> and she is not playing. No, <laughs> she has a mind of her own, and she. <laughs> All right, and then I think yeah, like should I, we go extra lemon and, I, and zest. I'm really ready for some lemon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to zest a, a Meyer lemon in here. That's quite a bit, but I think that's awesome. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 I think I use at least one or two lemons a day in cooking. Like I cook with so many lemons. I've had people say, what do you do with all those lemons? I'm like, eat them. Every day I add lemons to something. When it gets to be this temperature, I swear my wife just goes through a bag of Meyer lemons. Like just, you just squeeze one and a glass of water and slows things down a little bit. <laughs> it makes everything better. So we're cutting the lemon and squeezing it. Squeezing it into the shaker. And I wonder what should we use? So we don't have any simple syrup, but with the lemon thyme and the lemon verbena, I wonder. I have this wonderful wildflower honey, oh. Gypsum's wildflower honey, and it that would just substitute as substitute. A, I think that could be kind of nice. A with little the, hint of sweet with our sour. And, and for the thyme, do you normally strip I, strip the leaves off the stalk when even when you're doing in something that's gonna break it up? Either way. I'm not usually too picky. Uh, it depends on what it is. So what William's describing is he's picking up a sprig of thyme and he's running his fingers down that stem. And when you do that, you can release all those leaves at once without having to chop them off or pick them off individually. Or you can choose, the, choose to use the entire sprig, which is just as good. It means you might pick that sprig out versus catching some of it in your teeth. So Either way is great because like lemon, the more time, the better. Like time, we, we always want. We can always use more time. Time and lemon. In real life, metaphorically and, <laughs> and literally. 
Okay, so a little bit of honey. This. Okay, so how much honey did you just put in? Well, we're we're going kind of by the seat of our pants. Okay, I'm good. Doing, I am doing a half of a tablespoon. Okay, I like this. This is proportions. This is like real life for me because everything I do is process based. It's like, oh, does that look right? Yeah, that looks great. And we're gonna and we're gonna know by that consistency ratios, and we're gonna <laughs> taste it. And if it tastes Circles. good, then it probably is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Okay, so tablespoon of honey, a squeeze of lemon, lemon zest, ice, thyme, lemon lemon thyme. Now let's shake it up. Let's shake this bad boy up, bad girl up. The cocktail does not fit by our our binary <laughs> <laughs> means of description. It sounds done. <laughs> <laughs> or at least me and my Gumby arms are done. <laughs> a couple cubes for serving. Okay, a couple cubes of ice into the glasses. And I'm already getting happier thinking about what's next. <laughs> Pouring out the cocktail. Everyone hear that? It's the then, sound of summer. And then a little, uh, should we do a little <gasps> sprig for garnish? Yeah, it'll be beautiful. Beautiful food always tastes better. In this case, a beautiful cocktail. Doesn't it taste better when it's beautiful? You, you wet your palate through your eyes. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> oh, nice call. Extra citrus. Mm -hmm. Calls for a second sip. You know, just to make sure it's, it's tastes good. It's <laughs> oh, and then I got a little bit of thyme. Mm -hmm. Leaf. So I love the fact that you remove the leaves from the stem because then... Someone went through the strainer. And, and you can taste it. And that strength of that flavor added to the lemon is really lovely. Nice job, well done. <laughs> there was a little bit of pressure to do it. Was, it's been a while since I've been a bartender. <laughs> I've never been a bartender, that's amazing. See photos from my day with Willie Rye Fry and learn more about him on the podcast blog, growwhatyoulove.love. You'll find links to his website and socials like Instagram and Twitter there and follow him again at Willie Rye Fry. Don't forget, of course, to subscribe to the podcast, give it a thumbs up if you like it, and please leave a review. This is incredibly helpful to the life of the show. I'd like to start off by thanking my sponsor, the fabulous team at Gilmore Garden and Watering. Again, this episode would not have been possible without their help. I'd also like to thank William for making time in his day to meet with me, Chris Camacho for sound engineering, Disher Sound, Resonant Recordings, and Lauren Siri, Julie Harris-Walker, Lasta Drakovich, Josh Murphy, Laura Ling, and thank you to all of you for supporting and believing in me. I'm Emily Murphy and this is Grow What You Love. Well, we have these beds on uh, the kids' treehouse. 
amazingly oh, yeah. enough. And we had done, um, we had put together just, like, you know, a couple yeah, uh, months of compost that we had. Uh, so you could plant up there before could, your other beds. Are absolutely. Yeah, oh, that's, that's awesome. You know, I, for the uh, when we first moved in, I had um, tried to successfully transfer all, all because I had just this great uh, Thai basil and oh. cilantro that I use constantly. And so I had him in the bed, and, and then you, and, and then Bergen was born. <laughs> and, and because you're so because you're so tall, you can reach the treehouse. Exactly, it, it just keeps little grubby hands, little 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 kid hands. <laughs> get that out you can. Keeps the kids, it keeps the bed's hands free from the kids. But now now Wilder can climb up in the treehouse, and I, I don't. Because uh, Wilder's walking, he's ten months. Oh no, Ber Bergen is no, Bergen is a Bergen year, is and he's months. walking everywhere. Bergen but, is a year. But Sorry. Wilder, Wilder is a climber. Four. She was born in a, in in uh, a water tower, so she could climb before she could walk. I love so that. <laughs>